Hey everybody, uh, welcome into the BSN Draft Podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. As always, I'm your host, Henry Chisholm, and I am joined here by Andre Simone. That's right, another another installment of the Draft Pod. Actual games to watch, not just week zero. Pretty, pretty psyched over here. So psyched. But before we jump into Draft Talk, uh, I want to tell you about the delicious gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnston, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so that everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle or purchase them online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. What a deal. Let's get into it. Um... Where do we start? Um, you know, there were there were a lot of great games this week. Let's start with a couple of the great players in those games. Who really stood out to you this week, Andre? Well, I know who stood out to you, my man, because uh, you came at me with a scorching hot take. This is how I know you're you're getting into draft pod mode already. Is uh. You hit me, what was it, Sunday night with a, a great text that was simply Hurts better than Tua. Yeah, and I'm not really sure that I actually <laughs> stand by that, but he played so well, and he played so well in an offense that's going to be so much fun to watch this year. I was scared. I'll be honest. I was really scared to watch Oklahoma actually play. You know, they don't have Kyler Murray. They don't have Baker Mayfield. And sure, like Jalen Hurts, he's a national champion. He's a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he doesn't quite have that same pedigree that those other two do as a passer. Exactly. Didn't didn't look like it on sun, Sunday, though. Yeah, that was the Sunday night game. He was incredible. He was making every throw. He was running all over the place. I might be an Oklahoma fan. Wow. Oof. Good thing. Oh, uh, wait. No, Buffs don't like them. Buffs don't like them. <laughs> yeah, Never mind. Do. I'm not. I'm not. not. <laughs> um, but, hey, different divisions. Yeah, and... I mean, I think the odds are lower than they were. I mean, here's the crazy thing is going into two years ago, no one thought Baker would be the first pick overall. No. Last year, it was a guarantee. It was a lock. There were five million plus reasons why Kyler Murray wasn't going to be the first overall pick. And yet he was. At this point, it's like, don't count Jalen Hurts out. He's already... A draft commodity. He's very much on the radar. Um, and look, it was just Houston, but when you throw as many touchdowns as you do in completions, and then you know he went for three thirty-two in the air, one hundred and seventy-six on the ground, with another three TDs. You've caught our attention, and I think the thing that you were mentioning stood out the most was how well he slings it on the run. Yeah. No, it's 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 so strange to watch actually. It's almost like he's better on the run because he he just gets into this rhythm. I don't know if 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 when he's back in the pocket he throws off his back foot or something like that, but when he's on the run, he just seems like he's playing a game. Like he sees where the ball needs to go and he just throws it there. He doesn't overthink things. He doesn't stress himself out, focus on standing strong, standing tall, making sure he's standing up straight, all that kind of stuff. It's not worry about stepping in throws. It's just what feels natural. And mm-hmm. and that's what all those mechanics are about. What will naturally make you throw the ball the best? And that's when you are like pushing off your back foot, stepping into your throws, turning your shoulders, opening up, getting your shoulders aligned before you actually throw the ball. And he just has the natural instincts to be able to do all of that stuff on the run when he isn't thinking about it. Yeah, 100%. Um, that Mahomes, was a Mahomes-ish. really fun He game. has those. Mahomes-ish, a little Josh Allen-y. I don't think he has those kind of guys. Arm strength? No. We're in the same ballpark, though. Do not underestimate his arm strength, especially on the run. He has that kind of special traits. And he's a veteran guy. Uh, he's played for, you know big-time programs and big-time games. We saw some big improvements last year at Alabama where he was in spot duty for Tua. I mean, if it's not for him, they don't make it to the... To, they don't win the SEC championship against Mel Tucker's defense in Georgia. He was mm-hmm. crucial in making that comeback happen. And look, I've, I've done this draft pod long enough. We're not going to wait 
to start giving the Oklahoma transfer quarterback his love. We might as well talk about him week one, give him his props right off the bat. And uh, yeah, I think Jalen Hurts is kind of the biggest draft storyline of the week because, believe it or not, he is firmly on the radar now. No underestimating him anymore, though I am not ready to say he's better than Tua. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And when I say he's like, why make the Mahomes comparison? It's not a comparison to like his all around game, but it's that one aspect where he just has this natural feel for getting the ball where it needs to be when he is on the run. And that's why I was super impressed by, you know, he had 29 touches. Like if you're counting like attempts plus rushing attempts, 29 to- or no, is that right? 39 times, 39 times he touched the ball. Mm-hmm. And in those 39 plays, he put up 500 yards. Yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. 12, 13 yards mm-hmm. per play, passing, running, whatever the drop back is. So impressive. Six touchdowns. Like I don't know what more you could have wanted to see out of him Sunday night. Right, and we can only assume, yes, it's Houston, but it was also his first real game in this offense with these teammates, yeah. so the sky's the limit here. It really is. Yeah, so that was definitely the big storyline to start off with. We might as well keep hitting uh, quarterbacks real quick. Kellen Mond of Texas A&M. A&M only played, uh, what was it, Texas State. Um, so not a big-time opponent. But I've been high on Mond um, for a while now and was really impressed with what he did. He's a phenomenal athlete, made some incredible tight-window throws uh, in that game. And he's got a big game against Clemson that we'll be talking about in segment three of this pod. Uh I thought he had a phenomenal game against the Tigers last year. I'm very high on him. I think these are some guys that are are coming after some of the bigger names uh, in college football, not just Tua, but you know the Herberts and and so on and so forth of the world. So we'll get into that as well. Pac-12 talk. Pac-12 talk. Utah or Colorado? Which one? Which one first? Let's go with Colorado. It's easy. Visca, you called it. He was going to be more of a decoy. Proud of you. Mm-hmm. That's uh, some good insights. I you also were spot thought on. that he was going to get more yards than he did. Sure. And, I mean, he did contribute. You know, you look at the stat mm-hmm. line, three catches, 38, 39 yards, something uh-huh. like that. But there was also the two big pass interference calls, which I guess don't count for as much in college football, ends up being 30 yards added instead Ooh. of more than that on one of them alone. Yeah. There was the other ball that he just lost in the lights. It was such a weird play where he that was got open on the sideline. Yeah, That was a great throw by Montez, too. It was. And you're not going to see that again just because they aren't going to play in any stadiums that have lights that high up in the air for the rest of the season. They're not in an NFL stadium anymore. And those plays right there, all of a sudden, I mean, you could just count those mm-hmm. two catches if you wanted to. You could call it five catches for 70 yards. Right. And... And then what should have been like, what, a 50-yard bomb? Yep. Where he just loses yeah. the ball in the lights. And then and then he still contributed 30-something rushing yards on the ground. And so it's yeah. not like it was a bad game by any means. It just wasn't up to his standards. And what they did, he was actually off the field for half of the game. Yeah. Half the offensive snaps, they just let everybody else do the work trying to show Nebraska that they aren't one-dimensional. And they right. did a good job of doing that. And yet Visca still has that shoestring touchdown catch, which was unbelievable, oh. dude. Oh, I'm, he just uh, amazes me more every time I watch him. Um, and I look, I'd be saying this if he wasn't playing for Colorado. I'm just enamored with his talent. Um, I love seeing talented guys do incredible things. We saw his impact on that. What was it? Third and short or fourth and short? Where he gets fourth, that end around and, and it's maybe? just like gonzo. Yep. Um, so that was impressive. Always sticking with the Pac-12 South. Zach Moss, the Utah running back. We talked about him a little bit. Man, dude, his feet were incredible against BYU. He's he's, like a bigger power back. Yeah, no, he's something special. He's one of the many running back prospects in the Pac-12 that I don't think get as much hype because it is known as the quarterback's league. Totally. You know, but but there are some very good running backs. You look at Zach Moss. You look at Eno Benjamin, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, their guys just kind of scattered throughout the Pac-12. And sure, most of them are more of that little scat back type, somebody who's Mm going to be more of a third down player in the NFL, most likely. But not Zach Moss. 
Masa's built so nicely. Um, his In the first half, he completely jukes his way out of trouble with what should have been a safety. Like, the BYU linebacker had him dead to rights. He manages to dance his way out. Then he has the biggest run of the game where his, boy, his feet stand out so much for a guy who's got some power, maybe not the greatest breakaway speed. He's a true NFL back, though. I agree. Really intriguing. Uh, definitely a guy who's going to be on the radar. And they're the going to lean pod. on him. They he's, better. Yeah. He's their offense. Yeah. You know, that's that's their whole the, their whole plan down there in Utah. They're going to play good defense, and they have a strong defense at all three levels. They're going to keep their opponents off the board, and they're going to run the ball on offense. And, you know, Tyler Huntley, the quarterback, can run as well. Yeah. It's, I mean, looking at stat line, he was 13 of 16 for 106 yards. That's what that offense is. Huntley, yeah. A s- efficient passing when the defense is giving you opportunities mm-hmm. because they're packing the box, but mostly just run the ball, run the clock, old school football. And I'm I'm enjoying watching them. Yeah, 100%. Um, Auburn's defensive front struggled a little bit with that outside stuff, but kind of clamped down towards the end of the game. Uh, Derek Brown's just a stud. Uh, Nick Co, I always mispronounce the DN's name. Um, but anyways, he's got some talent as well. I thought they stood out. Um, that was a fun little matchup between one of the best O-lines in the country and one of the best D-lines in the country. That's one of those games that I'll probably end up re-watching like five times through the year before we even get to the draft. Um, I thought staying with that game, linebacker Troy Dye from Oregon He's intriguing for Broncos fans because a linebacker could definitely be targeted in next year's draft. I thought he had a decent game, though also showed um, some deficiencies in coverage, just athleticism sideline to sideline. I thought wasn't great, and um, I thought maybe lacked a little decisiveness coming downhill. But I thought, in general, he was a standout. Um, And then, look... uh, I've got a few more guys on our list from Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama, kind of the the blue bloods. Uh, Kenneth Murray, the linebacker out out of out of Oklahoma, I thought played really well. Um, we were also texting back and forth about Derek King. Yep, we were. Which I'm mispronouncing that first name. I, I forget. Is it Derek? Derek or something. Yeah, something like that. I apologize to the King family right now. Um, Anyways, he looks stout. Uh, He'd be a great outside linebacker in the NFL. Uh, He's going to be key for Oklahoma to have a big season because that defense isn't loaded with talent. He's really that leader, and this year is going to have to step his game up. I thought it was a good start for him. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And then Bama, like Tua, I thought looked really good. Lots of people were talking about how polished he looked, how good his footwork looked. Uh, Jerry Judy was outstanding as well in that game. Um, and then for Clemson, Travis Etienne, the line, the running back, whew, he was special. He is. He, he really, really is. He looks like he's put on some pounds despite like his breakaway speed still being elite. Yeah, I didn't watch him too much last year, but I did notice like he does seem like... A big fast guy bro he's got he's for days he does and he's somebody who i think could really i mean obviously he's playing well in college but he looks more like a pro back to me he looks like somebody who's built in that almost like zeke elliott mold where you just just run him between the tackles ride him and they can beat you outside too well, that's what's interesting is it looks like he's definitely packed on some weight, but he's still carrying it well. Maybe not the power and vision that Zeke had at Ohio State, but mm-hmm. um, I can jive with that uh, comp. And T. Higgins, their big wide receiver, he was just like eating on people's heads. You know, like yeah. anything contested. Yep. He's just grabbing it. Uh, be fun to watch those guys against AM next week. And I guess the only other guy I have on our list is Trayvon Diggs. The Alabama corner built like a wide receiver. Like, dude, he's so big. He had just a nasty interception uh, running a guy's route for him. Mm -hmm. Bama's always producing great DBs, uh, as, you know, Mill Tucker could tell you. Uh, You know, that's Nick Saban's bread and butter right there is developing the DBs, and he's got all the talent in the world. And if he starts playing up to his full potential, uh, watch out. Yeah, one more note on ETN. This is what I thought was most interesting. You know, he has 12 carries, 205 yards, three touchdowns. 
LOL. And he said that he was disappointed and that he didn't play well. Which is what, you know, you you can say that. You can build the <sighs> hype. He he did have like the one long run, 90 yards maybe, right around there. It, it was up there. Yeah. But still, with that stat line to say that that's not the ceiling, really impressive kid. I want to see more. Yeah, 100%. Um, so those were kind of our winners draft stock-wise from that game. Yeah, 90, 90 yards. Yikes, man. Uh, he's illegal. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, before we jump into some of the players who really disappointed us more, uh, we want to talk to you just a little bit about the official beer of BSN Denver, Breckenridge Brewery. Um, it was established in Colorado in 1990. It's it's just like us. It's a homegrown beer that's meant for Colorado people who care about taking care of our own. Um, you you might like their vanilla porter, oatmeal stout, the avalanche. We're all fans of the strawberry sky here. That's kind of our go-to. Love it. We're not supposed to be drinking it during Nebraska week, I guess. Uh, so they tell us. Yeah, I know, but it's also. I guess what really a vanilla good. porter would be more the more buffs colors mm, for you. That would be. Yeah. That would be perfect. That would fit right in there. Their IPA cans are more uh, Rams worthy, you know. Since oh, this is also on that feed, give them the Colorado Core. Colorado Core. That's another one we don't talk about nearly we enough. Don't. Where the office fridge is stacked with those. Yeah, I'm after. I like their lager too. Are they? Huh, I think Why they not? are, aren't they? Yeah, because, I don't know. So the Strawberry Sky, it's like a super light strawberry taste. It's almost like you barely notice it. It's just like a good, clean, summery beer. But then there's a little strawberry too. The Colorado Core, like, you can tell that there's apple in that. It's different. Yeah, a little champagne-y. Um, I yeah. think Allie took a video of me sampling it for the first time, and that's what I said. It's a pretty silly video. I don't know where <laughs> you can see that. Um, uh yeah, but keep an eye out on bsndenver.com because we also have the Breckenridge event calendar, which will tell you all the fun things we're doing. I'm not sure if our tailgate on Saturday is on there, but if you're going up to CU Nebraska or even if you just want a place to hang out and watch, uh, Franklin Field right outside the stadium, that's where BSN and the Blake Street Tavern are partnering to hold a tailgate. So come swing by, have some beers, hopefully Breck beers, and eat some food, hang out, talk buffs. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. We are back in for the second segment of the second edition of the 2019 BSN Draft Podcast, not the Buffs Podcast. Almost said that again. Uh, and in this segment, we want to talk about some of the players who disappointed us this week in college football. Uh, where do you want to start, Dre? I really just have two um, that I had big expectations for coming in. One was Jalen Rhaegar. The wide receiver after TCU, look, it's one game, nothing too huge, but he's a crazy speedster. He'd be amazing to have on the Broncos, given their needs. Um, and yeah, just underwhelmed this week. Um, it'll happen. But, you know, he's a, he's a guy who's really got to be featured in that offense, and you don't want to see weeks like that from him. 
especially when he's got all this competition with all these other wide receivers in the in this just loaded absurd draft class at the position. So that was a little underwhelming. And I then, think I think you could say something similar about LaVisca as well, where you have this opportunity against Colorado State to go out there and put up big numbers, but they decide not to. They decide that's not what the best option is, and it really does set you back when people are just looking at the stats. Uh, similar to Rhaegar, like he needs to be the focal point of that offense. He needs to be getting a lot of touches, and he needs to be productive with them. You know, it's it's a lot more fun to be following these wide receivers when there is so much competition because the draft board is going to change so much week to week. Yeah. One guy's going to be third one week and seventh the next. Like It's just going to be changing over and over because there are so many great receivers in, all over the country. And it's similar to college football in that you just have to be flawless. You know, you want to make the college football playoff, you're going undefeated. You might lose a game somewhere, but that's about it. Same thing if you want to be one of these top wide receivers picked and Jalen Ragor and I think LaVisca Chenault both had one of those games that you can't have too many of this year. Interesting. Yeah. And those will be ones that, you know, you go back to watch the tape at the end of the year and uh, you've got some explaining to do to some extent and uh, got to figure out what's going on. Uh, but, you know, it is one game. We try not to overreact, but we do do a, a weekly pod, so we can't help it. Yeah. We don't time. have an option but to talk about what just happened. Also, like Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, come on. Let's let's yeah be better. Yeah. Uh yeah. So there's that. The other one I think now the problem with Rhaegar was he was like dropping the ball. Mm. Uh, three fumbles, one lost. So that's against, rough. Against that comp, not good. The other guy, Jordan Love, who some people are extremely high on. I've got him neck and neck with um Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback. Look, the, the flashes when scouts watch the tape, they're going to be there. Arm strength is there. Ability to zip it to his spots is there. Ball placement is nice. But also against Wake Forest, Power 5 competition, he had a chance to to do some things, and he tossed up three picks. Yeah, he isn't going to get many opportunities. You know, every game pretty much from here on out, he's going to have a... He's going to have somebody who can say, well, he did this against lower competition. And so Wake Forest was really his chance to break out and say, hey, here's what here's what I can do against a Power 5 school. There's one more game on the schedule where he can really prove himself, and that's against LSU in the beginning of October. Big, big game for him. He just made it so much bigger by throwing three interceptions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, as we're talking about, this opens the door that much more for... Jalen Hurts and Kellen Mond. Agreed. And so on and so forth. Well, sticking with quarterback talk, we in the offseason ranked every single Pac-12 quarterback. Yes, we did. And we're ready to flip those rankings on their head yes, immediately are. after one week. Yep. Because that's how baller we are. We are so ready. Um, How do you want to do this? Do you just want to start by who surprised you the most? Because I think we have the same. Who's your biggest riser? Again, competition level wasn't great. Eastern Washington. Really? Redfield. Yeah. But hate it. Jacob Eason, man. We didn't know what to expect. He's such an unknown, really. It seems like all the hype is basically like recruiting hype from when he was the, the five star quarterback back way back when and then lost his job um, to Jake Frum. But Eason with Washington is first star. Arm strength was out of this world. He's leading guys perfectly. First big time throw is under center. We do not see that often in college football. Play action pass, dime deep. He's got arm strength for days. And then he makes another one where pressure is coming um, up from the left side to his left. Mm -hmm. He spins out of it and then throws another dime to the sideline. Uh, it was really impressive. Get on that Jacob Eason train quick. Also, quick note on that. Hunter Bryant, his receiving tight end number one on Washington, was his security blanket. That guy's getting open just in his sleep. Uh, he's going to be a big-time prospect. Uh, he's got the size. He's 
he's got it all, honestly. So that was really impressive to see from that duo. And I mean, we've kind of been wondering who's going to be that legit uh, playoff contender out of the Pac-12. We, I think we're both on that Utah train to some extent. I think so still. Do not underestimate Washington. No, no. And I totally agree. Jacob Eason was, I mean, he was everything that he was hyped up to be. You know, when you were looking at what is going to happen here, it was easy to say, hey, he's going to come in and he's going to be one of the three best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 conference. Look at his resume. Sure, he didn't get the starting jobs the last couple places, but, you know, sometimes that happens. There were some great quarterbacks in front of him and he was just a kid. There was also reason to say, well, he didn't get those jobs. And so what if he really is just washed up and he was overhyped? Turns out the people who were high on him were right. He flashed everything that you wanted him to flash in that game. I think that the guy who I would single out as a quarterback who impressed me, yes, Jaden Daniels. Yeah, so exciting. So exciting. And sure, you know what? He, he wins the starting job at Arizona State. True freshman. True freshman. Like this dude's what, 18? Yep. One of the top was he number top top three dual threat prospect mm-hmm. in the entire country mm-hmm. comes in uh, was you know it wasn't a huge surprise they won the starting job but it was it was something and he played Kent State the first game of the season not great competition Arizona State came out with the thirty to seven win but Jaden Daniels the the running game really wasn't there for him which was interesting he ran in the touchdown but. He looked good throwing the football, and that was the concern with him. You know that the running ability is there and that he's going to show it. 15-24, 284 yards, two touchdowns, and he's a true freshman. That's just going to keep improving. He just looks so natural out there, running the ball, throwing the ball. like He he has that same feel that we were talking about with Jalen Hurts for not overthinking it, just saying, I need to put the ball right there, and so I'm going to do what it takes to get the ball to right there. Yeah, and you watched more of Daniels than I did. But, you know, guys like Eason and Kellen Mond, you can talk competition level all you want. Some of those throws, it could have been in the NFL. If you put it exactly where the ball placement needs to be, there's no defending it. And that's what those guys were doing. And a backfield of Jaden Daniels and Eno Benjamin's going to be danger in the Pac-12 South. Especially if he can keep being efficient with the short passes. Like, and, that's what matters. Just right. being able to balance that out. You don't need much out of him. Right. And, dude, those were kind of our two most intriguing and yet biggest unknowns when we rank these mm-hmm. guys. And they really impressed week one. And let's talk about Steven Montez. Yeah, let's do it. You know, the I think when you boil it all down, to me, it comes down to... Uh, he he made the tough throws look easy. He made the easy throws look tough. Hmm. I like it. All the deep balls, he made NFL-level throws. He also ended a drive because he missed a wide-open running back in the flat on third and short. Would have been easy first down. Frankly, he didn't start the game well. But no. then he, he got going. He started slinging it in tight windows over the middle. And then made some really impressive throws on the run, like we were talking about Jalen Hurts. Um, and I think his stock, as far as our Pac-12 quarterback rankings, has gone up, just like Daniels and Eason. I think so. I think so. Just because we both had him pretty low on the list, mostly because... He was a mid-tier guy. And yeah. we have questions, like, you know, especially as in regards to his NFL pedigree. Yep. But for somebody who is supposed to be drafted in four months, five months, whenever the draft is, uh-huh. more than that. It is more than that, for sure. It but, is a lot more than four months. Thank <laughs> like God. eight months. But, but the season is only going to be like four months. Yeah. Seriously. And so... We needed to see more out of him. And I don't know that we did see a lot more than what he's done, but we did see that all of that ability is still there to make those big plays. That he has that deep ball. And if you can throw a deep ball like that, an NFL team will want to see if they can develop the rest of his game. I did see big improvements. A, in being able to sling it into tight windows. B, in not short-circuiting when pressure's coming. Yeah. And making really nice throws on the run and on scrambles. Yep. I, I mean, with that receiver group, that's huge. It is huge. I think that that is definitely worth noting that he looked more comfortable in the pocket. He wasn't scared and running away. And part of that is because he he wound up 
I mean, this is a theory. This isn't for a fact, but my belief is he started running around so much looking scared because he got hit so many times because he was behind a poor offensive line. He hasn't taken a hit in what nine months now. All of those, all those ghosts might be out of his head. He's not seeing those right now. And if Nebraska comes out and hits him a couple times, then maybe that kicks back in and that might be tough to shake. I got to say, after the first quarter and a half, I was like, boy, uh, this is going to be rough if Me this too. is the Montez that plays against Nebraska. After the final two quarters, I was like, okay, he's he's ready for the big game at Folsom. Uh, so that's encouraging. Disappointments on our Pac-12 quarterback rankings. Um, let, let's knock out the injuries first. That's the biggest Sucks disappointment. That you don't get J- to see those right, guys. Exactly. Sucks that JT Daniels out for the season already, right? The USC quarterback. Yep. Mr. Mustache. Yep. Uh, that's a shame. And then KJ Costello, is his status official? I think he's going to be out from the next game. So yep. that's a bummer. Yeah. That's, I mean, those are two of the guys I was most excited to see. I mean, KJ Costello, I'm very high on. JT Daniels running the air raid offense. I want to see it. Yeah. We don't get to. Yeah. That's a big blow for two of the um, Blue Bloods in the Pac 12 conference. No bigger blow for the conference, though, than Oregon squandering a lead against Auburn, letting Bo Nix, the true freshman, come through to beat him. I called it, by the way. Just yeah. just saying it, Hank. Yeah. Um, but <sighs> Herbert, I just felt like he took what the defense gave him. It was a lot of checkdowns. It, it was a lot of little wide-open throws to the to the backs he made one throw that stood out to me oh yeah 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 it was on the touchdown so he scrambles he's about to get hit and just bombs it into the end zone his wide receiver bailed him out frankly um the ball placement was not good on that and outside of that not very accurate not very consistent and we saw this i guess it was in the stanford game last year where they were up big and then they blow a lead in part because Herbert couldn't make a couple clutch throws to extend that lead or, you know, move the chains to to burn up the clock. And they ended up losing that. And, man, that falls on his shoulders. And he keeps getting hyped, and I just don't see it. I don't see the processing speed. But, yeah, the arm can be special all he wants, but if he's not making the throws when he needs to, what's that good for? Uh, I'm just I'm out on Herbert until he gives me reason not to be, uh, and I've I've been on that train for a while. Call me a hater all you want. I think the Broncos were right to take Drew Locke and not wait on this dude because, and I think Herbert messed up big time by not declaring for the draft, staying in school. Yeah, already a huge out of conference loss, and like, look, they can still win the Pac-12 and make the playoffs if if they go undefeated but it's an uphill battle and he's got the speed he's got the talent on the o-line it's really him man like he's got everything to be a stud and he's not doing it he's not putting it together we talked about how this was going to be a huge game for his stock and i think he hurt himself i do too i do think he hurt himself you know i agree that he definitely should have gone to the draft when you're a top three pick you take advantage of that. You don't come back and wait and hope that you can replicate what you did before. And I think that because he was already such a highly rated prospect, the standard changes and it's so much easier yes. to knock him down because at yes. this point, you know, he's flashed everything. He's going to flash, you know, right. Flashes are flashes. Like we, we done seen enough flashes. Exactly. And so now it's, it's grading him like you should grade a quarterback. Can he win football games? Because that's what an NFL team wants. And because they've already seen enough of this stuff, that's what they're interested in. They know what he can do. It's just whether he actually goes out there and does it. And the the flashes, he's, he's done showing us things that we haven't seen before. He isn't going to get that excitement factor that Jalen Hurts has when he comes out and starts just slinging the ball all over the place and becomes a very efficient passer. Right. That's new. That's exciting. That gets scouts to bump him up the draft board. But Herbert isn't having those easy flash plays, surprise plays that help his stock. He can't afford to, we can't afford to lose. Right. And look, we've talked so much about the 
over the years uh, draft-wise, whether it's Mitch Trubisky or Kyler Murray last year of guys where it's like, well, they've only played one year, so they're hard to evaluate. Dwayne Haskins. You know what's... That, that can hurt your stock just starting for one year. What's going to hurt your stock that much more is starting for damn near four years and not improving in the areas you need to. Like, at a certain point, we're done waiting. Yep. Yeah, because there's a difference between pulling in a guy who's 21 and a guy who's 22. By the time he gets to that age, you you want him to have been taking that step on his own. I mean, you know that if, if Herbert had been in an NFL organization, they would have they would have made it better. He would he would improve faster than he would in a college organization because colleges aren't interested in developing him. They're interested in winning football games. Yeah. And that makes it much more difficult because that puts a lot of the development on himself. Whereas in, if I'm an NFL team, I would rather have him in my system so that we can focus on the things that I think he needs to improve on instead of saying, let's wait a year. Let's see what he goes and fixes on his own. Yeah, and you know, we're kind of strict on Montez. We have high expectations and we hold him to it. We need to do the same with Herbert. You know, Drew Locke to me progressed in some key areas in his senior season that he hadn't were big question marks by his junior year, uh, his ability to handle pressure, be smarter, be more accurate, uh, show a little more touch. Herbert's got to do the same or he's really going to lose millions. What happens if Herbert is in the Colorado offense? How does that game against Colorado State change? Whew. That is a great question. Um, well, it's certainly a different challenge than having to beat Auburn in a yep. big, you know, non-conference game on national TV. So that's really hard to say. Uh, but I think, I mean, I think he would have been tested once again. And I wonder if he would have made some of those same big throws that Montez made. And, you know, Montez's stats could have looked a lot better if Visca doesn't lose that ball in the lights too. Yeah. Or or if he gets credited for those two catches. Yep. Because yep. we talk about how those hurt Visca's stats, but, I mean call those catches instead of pass interference penalties and all of a sudden Montez is would he be over 300 yards he'd be he'd be right up against it right there for sure so there's some Pac-12 quarterback talk for you all right um it's time to talk about some game-changing coffee Strava Craft is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives their reviews are incredible so check them out uh the CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, decreases anxiety, does everything, you name it. Uh, CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. We are back now to... First of all, talk about a couple of CSU prospects who we did not mention in the second segment. Yeah, we apologize to our Rams listeners. We are an equal opportunity podcast. We just scout talent. We don't care what level, what team you are playing for. If you're a stud and you're going to be interesting for the Denver Broncos and the NFL, we will talk about you. I thought Jamal Hicks, the -the in-the-box safety played well i thought he did a great job of doing what he does uh coming downhill making plays and i also thought he did a nice job a better than expected in coverage um he's gonna be that perfect nickelback hybrid guy might even play as a default linebacker to some extent in the nfl i know he's on the senior bulls uh radar so i thought he stood out nicely and then, dude, Warren Jackson, their yep. huge wide receiver. Yep. If Bull Bull wasn't at the stadium, <laughs> I think he's the tallest dude of the 80,000 or 70,000 plus in attendance. Uh, and that helps as a wide receiver. He had that one catch where he steps out of bounds or something, but he had a defender in space and was like already juked him. Yep. Like he's got more speed and like quickness and elusiveness than a than a guy that's like a legit 6'6 that should really have add him to the list of stud wide receivers in this class. So just wanted to mention those two guys really standing out. I've got thoughts on Colin Hill. Maybe I'll talk about him on the Rabs pod, or maybe we'll get into that a little later in the season. Okay, we got that out the way. 
big games this week, man. It's the beauty of college football. So let's talk about some of those big games, starting with Texas A&M at Clemson. Woo, big game. Huge game. That's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. I mean, this is huge for Jimbo Fisher, who's making John Gruden-type money out there at A&M. It's a big game for a personal favorite of mine, Kellen Mond. Their offense has a lot of talent. Uh, their receiving core, lots of guys to be watching there. And Clemson, I mean, what can you say about Clemson? Obviously, Trevor Lawrence will have a big test here. Um, I'm sorry, Isaiah Simmons, their linebacker slash safety. Um, at this point, the top linebacker in the class. This will be a big test for him early on. You want to see what Travis Etienne, T. Higgins, of course, Lawrence, how he looks, uh, even though we're a year away from evaluating him as a quarterback prospect. This stuff does matter. Um, so this is a big draft matchup. That's another one of those matchups I'll be watching. Like I've watched it six, seven times by the time we get to April before the draft starts. Yeah, I mean... This Texas uh, Texas A and M offensive line is good. It's real good, and their experience, they're bringing mm-hmm. back starters. Mm-hmm. I want to see what they look like against the Clemson defensive line, which has, as we know, has gone through huge turnover it because has. they lost that whole group to the NFL. The money line is Clemson by over two touchdowns. Spread or no spread, you taking the upset or are you staying safe on Clemson? I'm taking Clemson. How can you not? If, yeah. if we put the money line in, I do think Texas A&M keeps this much closer. I mean, just last year, Clemson snuck by. I forget what the margin of victory was, but I know it wasn't 17 and a half or whatever this game is. Um, so I'm excited for this game. This is already a... A big time fun matchup. Yeah, 16 and a half. So that has gone down a point. Uh, problem is, it's at Clemson. If if AM yeah. was a home dog, I might start considering the upset, but ah, no, nope. can't, can't do it. No, not when ETN just ran for over 200 yards. <laughs> yeah. And said it was a bad game. Like, we, we, you gotta, you gotta go with Clemson until they show you a reason why you would not pick them. Fair. Moving on now to. LSU at Texas. Ooh, this is a big one. It's a really big one. Another Texas quarterback who has the has the chance to be a huge draft riser, Sam Ellinger, going to be really tested against that LSU defense, which has uh, Grant Delpit. Delpit. That's who I am so high on. Delpit is uh, fifth on my board. Kristen Fulton, the cornerback out of LSU, is really good. Rashard Lawrence is a stud. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clavon Chiasson, I, I forget how he's, how you pronounce his name, but the really talented edge rusher. I mean, that defense, once again, an LSU defense just stocked with NFL talent against uh, a Texas program that's, yes, on the rise, but I, I got to see it. So Colin Johnson's... On that, oh, you know, big wide receiver forum. They also have safety, Brandon Jones, that I'm interested to see. So lots of prospects to keep an eye on here for NFL fans just looking looking to study up on some guys that the Broncos could add down the line. Yeah, I think, I mean, the storyline here is what does Sam Ellinger look like against this defense? 100%. Do you have the line pulled up for this one? Keep talking, and I'll get that in just a sec for us. Uh, if you had to guess, who would you say is favored in this one? I mean, it's got to be LSU. Like, I know they're on the road, but the the, the talent difference is just, just seems so big. It is LSU, despite the games in Austin, by six and a half points. Damn. I think I'd take it. I think I'd take LSU there. I think that they win this football game. You know, I took LSU as well. Me and my buddy, uh, we pick like, we go back and forth. He picks like four to six games every week. I pick four to six. And the goal is to pick games that'll bait the other one and like taking an upset or taking the team you wouldn't take. But with LSU, Texas, we both took LSU. Same with Clemson A&M. Yep. Yeah. Joe Burrow. What do you think of him? Yeah, just not loving him. He's a... 
doesn't do it for me. Doesn't have enough enough of those flashes. But I think he's a guy who at the college level can win for you. I agree. I think that that's a good take. Um, next up, Nebraska at Colorado. You might have heard this game is happening yeah, maybe, this Saturday. Maybe. I mean, this this is right up there with those other games is the most fun game to watch this week. Sure, you know, Nebraska's barely in the top 25. Colorado's very clearly outside of the top 25. It's not quite like a couple of these other matchups in that regard. Mm-hmm. But two storied programs building the rivalry. There's a lot of hype around this game, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, who are you watching in particular in this game as a draft prospect? Yeah, I want to see what Montez can do. I think the Nebraska game last year was his best game from a talent evaluation perspective. Probably the best game of his career with the exclusion of that insane game he had at Oregon in the rye season. I want to see what Visca can do because obviously Visca was huge last year. Really interested to see what Nate Landman can do. Yeah, I think that's the big one for me just because he missed tackles. He didn't look good in coverage. He did. He, did. he uh, didn't live up to the hype that's been building around him. You know, he's been excited to be the centerpiece of this defense, being the guy making the calls, making the checks, all this sort of stuff. Didn't live up to the hype. And I really don't think that we see him miss tackles again. The coverage is still a bit of a question mark in my book. But big week for him against Nebraska because this is an opportunity for him to really rack up the tackles. There's going to be so much running from this Nebraska offense. He has a chance to really shine, I think, as long as he doesn't blow a tackle like he did last week. Well, and I mean, you got to be careful if he's isolated in coverage like he was against Dante Wright. Yikes. Because Nebraska has similar athletes that can go after him and, uh, you know, go get him and challenge him in space. Also interested to see what Mustafa Johnson does against this line. Uh, those Nebraska offensive tackles, uh, Brendan James, uh, Matt Franiok, uh I mispronounced that, but who cares? It's Nebraska. Uh, JK, love you guys <laughs> if you're Broncos fans listening to this. Um, but anyways, interested to see what Mustafa can do yep. against those guys. Nebraska's still young. I mean, the, we'll be evaluating their talent but it's more evaluating them for the 2021 draft, right? Yeah, I agree. So, Uh, I mean, Colorado should be the more mature team when we talk exclusively the the more NFL tackles. Also, in media, they are the more mature team. (laughs) Um, Davion Taylor, though, not so much NFL draft talk, but just X's and O's. You brought this up on the Denver Sports Pod. I think his speed at linebacker is going to be crucial. Crucial. CU's backers look slow against the Rams. Having him and that speed and athleticism at the second level against Nebraska is going to be so important. He needs to have a big game if they're going to win. Is the line still at three and a half points in favor of Nebraska? From what I see, it is at four. Ooh, so it it's going to depend by the sports book. Um, from how we just assessed it, I think it's unfair to think that in a neutral field, Nebraska's a touchdown favorite. Yeah. This should probably be a pick considering it's at Folsom. I really do at think so. At the very least. And I think, I mean, when, you know, a month ago, I was saying this is Nebraska. Nebraska's favored by a lot. They yeah, should win this changed, game. Yeah, you've changed, huh? You've changed yeah. your tune a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I have too, actually. I forget who I predicted in that game, but yeah, I've changed my tune as well. And after seeing them both play too, you know, I, I really do think that Colorado looks more ready to win this football game. And so I'm going to take them straight up. Good call. Same here. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, one more game we want to talk about. Yeah. Stanford at USC. Oh, bummer that both these quarterbacks are likely out. I was so excited for this game before that. Yeah, this was supposed to. Uh, it would have been so much fun. Yeah, so much fun. I think the big matchup from an NFL standpoint is, um, you know, USC's wide receiver core is loaded, especially Michael Pittman yep. and St. Brown. How does Paulson Adebo, the stud cornerback for Stanford, handle those guys? It's going to be interesting. For me. I, yeah, I mean, I'd take Adebo. 
I take Adebo over either of those two guys. I really do think that he is that quality of player. I, I'm very high on him. He has the length. He has he has everything you look for. That's why, as a true freshman, he was a second-team All-American. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, it's just a bummer that those wide receivers won't have their, like, veteran quarterback I thrown know. into him. It's so, so disappointing. Adebo already starts from, like— He does. That has an advantage. Um, and then in the trenches, you know, Walker Little, uh, Stanford's hyped— left tackle who I'm not the highest on against a, a D line. That's always got talent on it. I think the best talent is more on the interior. So maybe not a one-on-one matchup, but look out for Christian Rector, uh, the defensive tackle for USC. I don't think enough people are talking about him. I think he's definitely an NFL talent um, who can do a lot for you. And you know, Derek Wolf, Gotsis, those guys might not be around for long. So scouting guys like Rector and other uh, interior D linemen in the trenches is going to be important for Broncos fans. Uh, and uh, Little actually won't be playing Saturday. Oh, right. Yeah. He's out for right. at least six weeks. Dude, that's a huge disappointment. Oh, I it's forgot so huge. all about that. But, I mean, how could you not when we're talking about these quarterbacks who are gone? You yeah, know, that's true. That's the big news here. And... This there one's is, there is no line on this one we should mention. That it's a it's a tough pick. Yeah. But for me, I think you gotta go Stanford. Because because they played that low scoring, grinded out game against Northwestern. Mm-hmm. They didn't rely too much on the quarterback spot. Mm-hmm. They can play that same brand of football. It I mean, obviously losing losing KJ Costello is a big deal. But USC, on the other hand, is putting in a backup quarterback in that air raid offense. Right. And that just seems like a recipe for disaster for me. Against Stanford's meat and potatoes defense. Yep. Man, Walker Little's huge because that's, you know, outside a wide receiver, uh, the biggest position that Broncos fans are watching is that offensive tackle position. And for one of the top guys to already be out for like half the season is a huge blow. It is. Yeah. It's massive. For the Broncos perspective, you just have to hope that that means he drops 10 or 15 spots in the first round and they can pick him up a little bit cheaper than they would have had to otherwise. Great point. All right. I think that that's all we have for you guys today. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk more about what we see this weekend from the games that we mentioned, other games that we didn't mention that will also be great. Uh, really excited to keep going, and we'll see you for episode three next week. <laughs>